welcome to our first ever podcast episode of The Rage. Each week we'll be providing you with a more in-depth look at our news, as well as some behind-the-scenes interviews with our reporters. Let's start off by introducing our news team. The first person I want to introduce is Melissa Watson, who's our news director, and she covers everything from SGA, police reports, different news topics on campus. Uh, Melissa's a sophomore political science major, and she loves the news. Thanks for that, Brienne. Well, it's great to report and read the news, but conversations are what make coverage, you know, important, which is largely why we're starting up this podcast in the first place. Next on our news team is Aaron Gonsolin, our resident jack of all trades. Aaron is solely responsible for our website, copy editing, and we frequently assign him two to three news stories a week at his own asking. This is not like us being like terrible people or something. <laughs> um, Aaron's also doubles as a reporter for the Daylight Iberian. Aaron, you want to say hello to our listeners? But I'm glad to be oh. here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having well, me. Well, thank you. We're glad to have you as well. Next, finally, our newest member of the news team, Morgan Fontenot, who we're very proud of. Morgan has joined us over the summer and jumped right into news headfirst. She's a technical writing major from Brobridge and has been covering events all on campus, which let me add, before she got here, she had never written a news story and we threw her right in and yeah. she's been doing fantastic. We love Morgan. I'm uh, a little upset because when I joined, I had to start with sports and she had all news. That's <laughs> yeah. not fair. News right away. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it, Morgan? Yeah, so hey guys, my name is Morgan and I just want to say um, I love being a news writer and working with this team, the Vermilion. I, I also suppose I should introduce myself as well. Um, my name is Brianne Hendricks. I'm the managing editor at the Vermilion, which means I uh, pick up the slack of everything. <laughs> Plus, get text messages at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm a senior journalism major and before becoming managing editor, I was a columnist here and before that, I worked with uh, journalism, news, online, doing uh, gaming coverage before coming back to school. Uh, so let's let's dive into our first article this week. Uh, Melissa, you recently worked on a pretty controversial story here on campus, storing a $1,000 accounting textbook at our new provost. Can you tell us more about that? Well, I just want to start by saying that the provost is actually a really personable, nice kind of guy. Uh, he was immediately very warm whenever I met him, and he seems to really enjoy uh, the fact that we were even interviewing him about this, that we had like a vested interest in knowing what actually happened. Um, and the whole time, he was just very apologetic to students about the price of the, of the online textbook, and he stressed that it wasn't actually the accounting department that set that price. It was actually Wiley Plus, which is an online ebook company I'm sure many students are familiar with. It actually set it as as $999.99 because the accounting department wanted it to be unavailable to students. So he basically said it was a miscommunication and that Wiley Plus just went about the wrong way of making it unavailable. And, you know, the price went back down after all the outcry happened. Now it's $313 like the physical textbook. He said that he understands that pretty much all textbooks are expensive, including, you know, even a $313 one. And yeah, pretty much just that it was a miscommunication. He doesn't really blame anyone for it necessarily, but he just wants to stress that it wasn't the university that yeah. wanted it that expensive. So since two of our topics tonight have to do the provost, I'd like to kind of lay out for our listeners what the provost is and what his duties are. 
So um, the provost is the vice president of academic affairs, and he's basically second in command to Joseph Savoy, who's the president. He uh, oversees pretty much the entire academic side of UL, all of the colleges, departments, professors, department heads, deans, all of that stuff, uh, as like their person that's in charge of them. Um, Savoy does that to a level, but he also does a lot of like funding and fundraising and you know diplomacy and yeah ad- advocates for the university most of the time. And so someone needs to pick up the academic stress. Darren, is there anything you'd like to add to that to his uh, uh, what he does? I mean, he's he's for the students first okay. and foremost. When I talk to him um, about my story, he stressed the fact that he wants to help the next generation of students. It was very important because he didn't, he got that from his provost when he, because he attended UL Lafayette before. It was UL Lafayette. I don't want to, you know, throw out <laughs> his age to uh, upset him or anything. Uh, that's okay. He's a, he's a very nice and personable uh, person. He's very professional too, which is great. I mean, because that's what you want from your provost. So. The first question I'd like to ask is, uh, the price set was at three thirteen for the book. That's still a lot of money. Uh, he's at only three thirteen. Only three thirteen. Yeah, I, I know a few students kind of found that uh, almost a little offensive, because it. I mean, I don't know any college student who just has three hundred thirteen dollars to throw out, much less a thousand dollars if that was the price that was set at. Well, yeah, and he agree- he agreed that that yeah. was too high as well. And he did say only 313 but keep in mind that this textbook, uh, and he said this too, uh, covers two different accounting classes. So it covers accounting 201 and accounting 202. So the fact that it's across two semesters means that you'd only really be paying like 156.50 a semester for each of those books. Which is not in- incredibly horrible. Like, I- I've heard worse than that. Yeah, so that's why he said only. I mean, and he also agrees that even that, even that's a little high. He's just trying, I think in this statement where he said it was only $313, he's mostly just trying to, like, bring the situation back to, you know, earth. And- did uh, did he address the good intentions tweet? Um, No, he didn't. I didn't ask him about the tweet because he, it his name wasn't attached to it. I'm not yeah. sure who put that tweet out there. Yeah. I feel like it was not him. It was. <laughs> uh, so I just asked him basically about what he had to say about it, about his statement that he okay. put out. Um, I think the tweet, you know, whoever runs the Twitter, that's not really, I don't think that's him. Yeah. I don't think he even knows, really. I don't even think he knows what a Twitter is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did the students that you talked to had any particular feeling about this? Mm-hmm. What was the vibe from the students about this uh, this price set and Wiley Plus and this whole controversy? Okay, so the first person I talked to, her name was uh, Maddie Mo, and I know her personally. I went to high school with her. And she is actually the person who originally posted about the $1,000 textbook on the Ragin book swap, whatever it's called. Oh, okay, the, the Facebook group. Yeah, the Facebook yeah. group. She posted about it and said, does anyone know why this online code is $1,000? <laughs> and kind of, it kind of... Good question, A lot Maddie. of people shared it, and a lot of people were really mad about it, which is, you know, why there was even a statement that was released and why we even wrote a story about it. And so I interviewed her, and she is a marketing major, and she likes to take care of dogs on her free time. That's her job. And she basically just said that she was uh, a little bit offended by the by the price. She said it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense that the university cares about its students yet allows mm-hmm. stuff like this to happen. Yeah. She says that we pay way too much in tuition already, and it makes her wonder why where our tuition is even going if it's not going towards books or anything else, and we have to pay a thousand dollar for a book. Then what's our tuition doing? 
And mm. I talked to another girl who's uh, a PR major, public relations. Her name's Vanessa Lee. And she was actually very funny. She's very spunky. And she said that it was an embarrassment to the university, that it's a joke and that it's funny that they that they uh, priced it at $999 to not get to the four digits. She thinks it makes us, you know, look like fools and it makes them think that they can trick us. And she says that it was just like ignorance all around. I mean, it's a, it's a valid concern when every semester you're spending, you know, over $500 in books that, you know, you look at that price and you're a little confused and outraged uh, I know some classes are more classes are requiring these online codes for um, basically very little to do in the class. Uh, we had heard I had, I talked to a student in one of my classes and she had said that her uh, psychology teacher was required to put the connect on their syllabus, but was only making it six percent of their grade for right. like a hundred dollars. Do you feel that this provost understands where students are coming from in that regard? Yes, I do. I do feel like he does understand to a level. I mean, this this online stuff is still new and yeah. it's still coming in. I mean, I did I did see one on Facebook. One guy said, uh, "Well, if y'all are so worried about the code, just just someone buy the code and then post it for everyone else to see." Like they don't understand. <gasps> Like how it exactly works. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I feel like if anyone understands it, it would be the it would be the provost. And I'm not just saying that to be you know kissing yeah, up. Yeah, no. I do I actually feel like he would make an effort to understand it as best as he can. I mean, I don't have a perfect understanding of how this this technological stuff manages and who's in charge of this huge yeah. corporation and how this is going. And but. the uh, the textbook in question, the price was set again to uh, discourage students from buying the online textbook and encourage them to go into the university bookstore. That's what the provost said. Okay. Oh, that makes sense, I guess. It's, it's just, I mean, now a lot of people are moving towards that electronic book. Yeah. And it kind of seems strange that we would go back to, te like, physical text. But I guess if you're adding things in that textbook that were not added online. That's I what mean, he said. It makes he, said sense. he said the physical edition in the bookstore had material in it that the online version did not have. And they wanted sense. they said yeah. it would they would believe it'd be advantageous for students to get the the physical book in the bookstore. Okay. Which I say, well, that's great, but you found the worst possible way to discourage students from buying <laughs> yeah. this thing. It was the worst thing you could have do. It, it was kind of spectacular how bad it was. Yes, it is spectacular how bad <laughs> it was. And so he agreed with that. It wasn't it wasn't the university that did that. It was Wiley Plus, but I mean that is that is probably the most offensive thing that you can do is just be like, well, <laughs> yeah. pay a thousand dollars, see what happens. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it. No wonder there was an outcry about yeah. it. Speaking of our new provost, uh, Aaron, you also interviewed him this week. It was it was a really interesting interview. I didn't realize how much he valued transparency. And if you know anything about uh, journalism and the university scene, it's not always easy for us to uh, obtain what you know what we would need. Uh, but I'm so glad that he's putting transparency first. Did you get that feeling from him whenever you interviewed him? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing about Provost Abery is he he was adamant on giving transparency because, like you said, UL is not the you know <laughs> you know the easiest people to get information from. So I mean, he he said that he wants the students again 
the students first. He wants them to be aware of everything that's going on. So yeah. transparency in anything, especially in the university, when yeah. so many things have happened over the last couple of years. I, I, I guess I understand that to a point yeah. that uh, there there is a lot of people that work for the university. Yeah. And transparency isn't always easy when you have that many people that work for you. But I'm really glad to see that he's taking a step in the right direction. Was he, like, a happy guy when you met him? Like, what was the kind of feeling that you got from him? Well, I mean, I did speak to him at 8 in the morning. He was so happy. So that, that <laughs> well, should hey, let you know how much he yeah, loves his job. That says a lot. I don't know many people that are really happy at 8 I in the was morning. not a morning person. I was not happy that morning. But he was so nice. Um, He's very personal, like Melissa was saying. I spoke to Ben Messner. He he works for SGA, and he was even telling me how nice of a, a person he is. Um, Abear, when he came toward the campus back in what was it April, he yeah. was telling me how uh, Abear was more interested in knowing about Messner's life as a as a UL student more than just a job. So Messner had to <laughs> get him great. back on track. So yeah, that just shows you the type of person he is. He's about the students first. What uh what extent does do you know if you know or Melissa you might know what extent does SGA work with the provost on issues? Um, SGA primarily works with the deans um, because they have college representatives that that represent each individual college. The presidents of those individual colleges, like nursing, like engineering, like arts. They have very close relationships with the deans of each college. Okay. But I'm sure that there's moments where they do communicate with the provost, where Benjamin Messner ended up communicating with the provost. He did personally introduce himself in an SGA meeting whenever yeah. he was about to. Oh, he, he did make a point. Yeah, he, and I was there for that meeting. Yeah. He, uh, he did personally introduce himself. Um, so they do have a relationship with him. I'm sure to an extent, I'm sure if they want to do something on a bigger scale, especially involving academics, they would speak to the provost or Savoie. A lot of the time, SGA, uh, especially the SGA president, will have meetings with Savoie, you know, where the the big three will be there with him. Wow. Have either of you guys interviewed Savoie before? Uh, no, I'm sure you. I will one day. Yeah, that's the big I'm fish. Not, I'm not Kaylee Broussard. Yeah, no, no. Well. Not that's the big fish. Yeah. <laughs> that's the big fish. <laughs> Saying that to your managing editor, and I'm just thinking in my head, okay, so next week they're both going to interview Sawa. <laughs> at the same time. At the, at the same time. We wouldn't do that to him. <laughs> I mean, we could. It'd be just like sit a, on like opposite a, sides yeah. of him. Like a press conference, like just send you both in there and be like, okay, Sawa, now answer questions. <laughs> uh, finally this evening, we have uh, Morgan's story, which is really interesting. She visited with the military veterans for their coffee hour. Uh, Morgan, can you tell us a little bit what that experience is like, what the vibe was in the coffee hour, um, what kind of veterans did you meet there? Yeah, so the experience is actually pretty great. Um, I had some really good conversations with, you know, the men and women who came to this event. The vibe was really chill. You know, everybody was getting coffee, <laughs> eating snacks. Yeah. Everybody seemed to know each other. They actually seemed kind of like a big family because they actually do the coffee hour every Wednesday. So they get to, they look forward to going once a week and meeting with each other and just socializing. It's a, it's a really nice thing that they do at the university. Uh, before I came back to school, my husband was in the Navy for five years, and it is that big, giant family. And when you get out of the military, the first thing you notice is that that support system is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. That support system is, you know, back at the base. <laughs> right. And you're over here. So it's, it's it's really nice that they give them a new family. Yeah. How it came about was 
Dr. Julia Frederick, who is the director of the honors program, she is the one who came up with this, and that's actually where it's hosted. It's the coffee hours hosted in Judy's Rickles Hall, which is the honors building on campus. And you mentioned it's open to the public as well. Yes, yeah, so it's uh, veteran students and veterans who are non-students and also people just in the public. Like, they invited me. They said, are, are you going to come back and visit next week? And I was like, <laughs> sure. So I went. And Dr. Frederick actually comes from a military family. So she started this event two years ago. And she wanted just the veterans, regardless if they're students or not, just to have a place to come yeah. and visit, visit with each other, get to know one, one another, and, you know, connect. That's that's really fantastic. There's a lot of uh, a lot of suicide rates for veterans after they get out and it's horrible mm -hmm. that some of these people come out and don't have any kind of like support structure yeah. I'm, so I'm really glad that we're doing that on campus I think that's a really important thing yeah, mm -hmm. and that's one of the good things about Lafayette like, it's a yeah. small knit community but we all care for one another so it's really it's really amazing to see now if we if we have any veterans listening uh, where can they go for this and who can they contact um, they can contact Miss Sammy Connor, who's the director of the University Veteran Services. She works with Dr. Frederick. She, uh, she has her number and her email on the website. Dr. Frederick as well. You know, she's open to talking to anybody, and it's it's she's pretty much there in the honors building where it's hosted. What I'm curious about is the age range. So. Was it primarily younger veterans that were there, or were, did you have a couple World War II veterans there? Like, what happened? Yeah, actually, the age range was it varied. Um, there was it was pretty much from the youngest person I saw there was a 21 year old female, and I saw some men in their 60s. So I would say Vietnam. Vietnam. Be, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. That's about the yeah. I do know we have a league in Lafayette of about 20 World War II veterans wow. that are really? still alive. Oh, wow. yeah. oh yeah, because they sent them to uh, Washington. They did, and they sent them to a concert for the Lafayette High Band. Really? They put on a, a patriotic concert of like national songs and they all sat in the front row and awesome. I cried a lot. Yeah, that's, that's was, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really good what we're doing here for veterans too with the uh, the facility that just opened up off of Ambassador Caffrey, the VA facility. Before this point, veterans had to go to Alexandria oh, to, wow. yeah, to get their, their medical needs seen at. This is the first time we've opened one in Lafayette. I think that is the end of our uh, first podcast of The Rage. Be sure to check with us back next week for another episode. And um, see you later.